Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In ancient Greece, sacrifices were often offered to appease the gods. One specific type of sacrifice is described in the Iliad thusly as a sacrifice of 100 cattle. Those cattle were sprinkled with barley meal, then had their heads drawn back, were killed and flayed. Once dead, their thigh bones were cut out, wrapped in two layers of fat, had some pieces of raw meat set on top of them, were laid on a wood fire, and had wine poured all over. Meanwhile, young men stood near the priest officiating the sacrifice with five-pronged spits in their hands. Once the thigh bones were burned, they tasted the inward meats, cut the rest up small, put the pieces on the spits, and roasted them until they were fully cooked. With the feast ready, everyone ate until full, then filled mixing bowls with water and wine, with every man taking his drink offering. Such a sacrifice was often offered to Hera, Athena, or Apollo, and on the conclusion of the Olympic Games, the sacrifice was offered to Zeus himself. That sacrifice? A hecatomb. And we've got 100 fucking cows behind me ready to be straight up hecatombed right here in the Doob Room. I'm Alex. Great recipe. The one thing I'd add, a handful of mushroom. Boom, boom, you're in the Zoom Room. Doom Room, Zoom Room. Bye-bye. Justin is here. I'm Pete, <laughs> and we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 4, Episode 3. Is there any time left to yeah. talk no. about Doom Patrol? Or? And that's it for the podcast. Thanks yeah, so much, right. everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I love, I love the tour of uh, history that we get every time we uh-huh. sign on to, to make some You'll learn a little something about history, and then you'll learn a little something about Season 4, Episode 3 of Doom Patrol called Nostalgia Patrol. The there latest it is. episode is live on HBO Max right now, so go watch it. If you haven't, spoilers here. But Rita, who is kind of down in the dumps, finds out about a retrospective mm. festival that's happening in town all about her. Of course, it's a trap. Of course, trap. it has to do yep. with Amortis, who seems to be the big villain of the season. Of we need a couple of new characters, including Mohinder from Heroes and another yeah. lady. And the rest of the Doom Patrol goes in to rescue her as we get everybody else's storylines being followed as well. There's some movement on the Larry storyline, movement on the Rita storyline, definitely movement on the Cyborg storyline who goes off on his own side mission, visiting his friends and playing a little bit of laser tag. So there we go. What would you guys think about this episode? What were your big takeaways? Uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's weird to say that we're already into sort of like a middle meat episode of uh, Doom Patrol, but it feels like we are. 
Maybe I've got meat on the brain from Alex's intro, but um, <laughs> every character sort of moving in their separate direction. Um, there are some partnerships, a classic Doom Patrol thing of um, teaming yep. up two people as they help each other deal with what they're dealing with. But this feels like some pretty um, standard fare uh, already. And almost like, I don't want to be harshly critical here, but jumping into the soap opera, I feel like the Doom Patrol has uh, doomed themselves themselves in this way before. Oh, well, I feel like this is a, a really great uh, Doom Patrol episode. It really feels like we're cooking in this season right now where you just kind of mix up the who's hanging out with who a little bit. You get some growth. Uh, you have some laughs. I mean, if you thought about all the deep conversations that happen during a laser tag game, I mean, it's easy to just camp out and wait for somebody to start monologuing and then pick them off. But, man, uh, what a special episode. I'm having a blast. Half the fun of laser tag is finding the monologist and lighting. <laughs> Agreed, a hundred percent. Yes. So we should actually mention about the structure of the season, which I don't think we've talked about here. I don't know if it was necessarily filmed this way, though, based on advanced descriptions, it seems like maybe it was. But they are going to be broadcasting six episodes and then taking a break. After that, unspecified amount of time, and then I believe there's going to be another six episodes after that, if I remember correctly. So the season is split in two, and I believe the sixth episode is either going to be a cliffhanger or like a mid-season finale type yeah, thing. Cliffhanger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There Sorry, more of a yeah. Vic hanger, I would oh, say. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Probably true. So to your point, Justin, yes, this is actually the middle episode here. So maybe they were, in fact, structuring in that way, potentially. Um, I agree with you in terms of this feeling. I, I agree with both of you, I think, in terms of this feeling like a very classic Doom Patrol episode with some quirky stuff going on, some people splitting off. As I was afraid about the last episode, and I was pleased to see here, it seems like we're not going to just have Cyborg splitting off on his own mission for the next couple of episodes while everybody else do stu does stuff. Maybe he will. I don't know. But it does feel like he reaches at least some sort of resolution by the end here with the laser tag storyline and a way to move forward. Uh, why don't we start with Cyborg storyline? Because it is so yeah. side to the main narrative. So Cyborg. Sideboard. Vic oh, reconnects with these old friends. There's a lot of sparring back and forth and a lot of uncomfortable feelings because he has been missing for decades at this point. He hasn't really connected with his friends. He wants to get right back in the group and they're kind of not having it. Which side did you guys fall on here? Were you on Vic's side Ooh. or his friend's side? You got to I mean, you, you see both sides, you feel for the friends for sure. But you know what it's like, Alex, you're a big deal. If you go back to your hometown, you know, people are going to freak out. You're going to have to talk to the people who are still there and you're going to have to be like, listen, I needed to grow a little bit. I had to see other places. No offense. You'll always be my home. You know, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Sorry, dorks. I'm cool. Our little robot club is over. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always going back to my hometown. I'm like, hey, guys, I host a bunch of podcasts for nobody. <laughs> They're like, whoa, and there's, Mr. Big Shot. There's nothing cool people do more often than go back to their hometown and flex on their old friends. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's a, a ultimate celebrity status is really flexing on them. Uh, I mean, these scenes felt strange to me. They were weirdly sort of it was funny. The rest of the team is sort of in soap operas and different Rita film projects. Right. Which uh, is fun. The, which is fun. Mm -hmm. But these scenes felt the most like weirdly melodramatic and almost like they were soap operas. Like 
um, these guys are sitting around and they're really like confessing their emotions in sort of like surprising ways. The laser tag felt like almost like a PSA from the eighties where it's like, yeah. Hey, hey kids, don't, when you're out there having fun, make sure you really connect with your friends. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, so like it was, it, these scenes the were very last strange. thing you should be doing at a laser tag game is uh, talking and opening up. I mean, you got it. There's so much to do and so many people to shoot. I mean, what, what the F, you know? Oh no. I love going into a movie and um, having a breakup <laughs> or, uh, or heading down to the skate park and really confronting my um, estranged older brother, you know? Oh, wow. I will say I really like that restaurant they were in that initially seemed to just be like a fun pizza place. But no, there's more. There's laser tag in the back yeah, as well. Great place it's, to hang out. Just a good business plan. It's mm-hmm. like pizza. Okay, what could you expand into laser tag? I feel like there's some candle pin bowling in the future for this oh, business. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, because it's fun. a smaller alley. You don't need as much space. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Here's one bocce thing. ball or something in the back. Bocce, very fun. Get some a little sand in there, but keep it under control. Um, air hockey. I was going to say about this pizza place, they very specifically are in Detroit, but they weren't serving Detroit-style pizza. They were serving oh. regular pizza. And that's a huge mistake on the pizza from the pizza eye uh, of the viewers. Classic there. continuity era from Doom Patrol. They should be eating I, hot dogs, man. They do amazing hot dogs in Detroit. Really? Oh, yeah. Like how do they, how are they amazing? Well, they have all sorts of amazing. This is going to be the next ten minutes of our podcast. Coney Island dogs—they're unbelievable. They they have like uh, you can get chili on it, cheese, uh, all sorts of stuff. It's really great. Habanero peppers—they go to town. Uh, it's very funny that Pete, you were like, hurry up and get through your ancient recipe, Alex. I have to say my Detroit hot dog recipe. <laughs> um, but I will, I always also say Pete is sort of our roving reporter out on the, the beat, just eating hot dogs any which way he can. That's right. Great stuff. Damn right. I agree with you, Justin, on this storyline. I like Vic, and I like the way that he is moving forward emotionally. I do think that's interesting to talk about first what side I was on. For most of this, I was actually on Vic's side, and maybe that's the way that Yovan Wade was playing this, but he was being pretty straight up with everybody, I felt, and he was like, yeah, yeah, sorry, I've been away. I know that sucks. That's a real bummer, but things have changed in my life, and I'd really like to connect with you guys. And they're like, how dare you? How dare you? You left us. And I was like, okay, I get there's hurt here, but calm down for a second. They were going very hard in on him. Well, you don't when see he guys was for reaching while. out to them. He, he was yeah, reaching he, out, though. Sure, but that you know, if you've got something to say to somebody, you know what I mean, they're gonna they're gonna put it out there. I don't. I I do think that it was like it was a lot at once. It was all condensed. They had to get through a whole kind of thing and, and a couple of visits, and you know, it's gonna spill over into laser tag for sure. But yeah, uh, I, I think though, if it had more time to breathe, yeah, you would hit those beats. You know, they just kind of fast forwarded a little bit. But I think it is one of those things where it's like if you have a friend and they move away and then they come back, you're gonna bust their balls. You're gonna throw some stuff at them just because they they haven't been there for so long. So it's like they deserve that kind of. But it's. I just thought it was a little crazy. The guy was like, "You weren't here for me," and Vic was like. I'm a cyborg. I was doing cyborg <laughs> I almost stuff. died. Like, are yeah. you yes. kidding my me? My mom died. Most yeah. of my body got <laughs> blowed off. I'm sorry I and wasn't they, there I for you. I don't get anything And, they, and they're trying to do this, – this is the thing, and I feel a little comfortable bringing this up because we are three white dudes on a podcast. But they try to loop it back around to the whole racism issue that has been looped yeah. very effectively multiple times through Vic's storyline over the course of the show. And – 
they very not even very strongly intimate, but pretty much outright say that they had extreme troubles as black men living in Detroit and he wasn't there to help them. And that gets to the core of the thing. But that's something that they kind of dance around in the way that the language happens in that laser tag confrontation that maybe will embrace a little more wholly in future episodes. And I don't know. I'm not saying you need to be didactic about it. You need to, don't need to come out and be like, this is what happened to us, and here's a sequence of events. But there was something in the way that scene was executed that it felt like it was tacking on this thing at the end of, and this is why you should feel bad, Cyborg, that didn't work for me. I, I agree with you, because it felt like it was hard to tell if it was if the characters were tacking that on to Vic because they were mad at him. And they had genuine hurt about what they went through compared to what he went through. Or if the writers were tacking that on to the scene as an added, like, let's add this issue to this conversation. Because either way, it felt a little bit like the core of it was that they felt sad that they lost their friend. And honestly, a little bit jealous that they had a robot club and then he became a robot, basically. And he did robot stuff. But that's so like... That felt like the core issue, and then this other stuff felt like, are we going to that to talk about that, or is it just, like you're saying, tacked on? And we never got a, a straight answer on that. Uh, I would also say either or, however you guys felt about it, I do think there is something to, like, if you had to live in Detroit, and you had a friend who became a superhero, and you're dealing with the daily grind in the streets in Detroit— it would yeah. be a little upsetting to be like, this fucking guy's out there flying around and like, 100%. I'm here, you know? So like, I I think that, yeah, maybe, but I also feel like people thought about what it would be like to be an outer kind of friend to witness Vic's kind of rise and maybe have some feelings about it, especially when someone just shows up out of the blue and expects you to be like, oh, hey, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to throw some shit at them, especially if they're old friends and, like, uh, you got some feelings pent up about it. I think that's totally fair. But, like, think about it this way. Like, if if I were on this podcast together, uh, if I left and got in an accident and became half podcast, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sort of some sort of so- podcast cyborg, you'd right. be like, what the fuck is this guy? He thinks he's, he's a big deal. He's a half podcast, half man now? Yeah. What about yeah. our old podcast we used to make? I'd be like, sorry, I fight podcast supervillains in the big podcast city, you know? You're right. Is this You're making right. sense? Is this yes. <laughs> Boy, and I was worried about the hot dog conversation. <laughs> Why don't we talk about some of the other characters? Because there's a lot of other folks to break down and get through here. Rita, obviously, is the big story. Storyline of this episode from her going to this movie theater, getting sucked through various old movies of mm-hmm. hers, and ultimately giving this big speech to save the Doom Patrol. The cliffhanger at the end of the episode, of course, is that she's still unconscious and seemingly trapped, maybe in this nostalgia in these old movies. Um, what do you feel about Rita's storyline? How do you feel about how it played out and uh, all these old movies of hers that we got to see? I mean, this was absolutely such a fun idea. The writers did an amazing job of coming up with this and playing in this world. Also, I loved how Rita was kind of the vic of this episode, dropping F-bombs all over the place, Uh, swearing up a storm. Oh, the cliff. So great. 
there was a lot. Madam Rouge was swearing like Cliff as well. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was great. It was great to see. Uh, and it was also fun to kind of jump around in these different uh, movie types, these different kind of things. And uh, them pointing out like the creepy kid and all that was just uh, just so, so much fun. It really I felt like they were just having a blast with these characters in this kind of uh, fun setup. Um, yeah, I mean, this is we've seen four seasons of the, these characters exploring their emotions and shortcomings. And here we have Rita, who in some echoes of Vic's story, like she is, we goes back into these movies and other projects. She encounters these actors who they're scared of not finishing the role because they have to. And she's she has left them behind in her life and left behind this whole world to be part of Doom Patrol. But she also isn't connected to them. And it feels like the the actual narrative is the the necklace is collecting her emotions and yeah. uh, her different emotions really it's not just mm-hmm. her pain it's her her love her happiness all that and then the Janus at the end grabs the necklace and goes um so i like that as a story we don't know what the deal is does janus have to get uh different things Wait, from each member of Doom patrol or is it janus are you Am I? Uh, Janice from Three's Company is another villain. That's okay. a, no, no, that's no. Your it, is, villain. it is pronounced Janice. Janice is a junior anus. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's zombie butts, so I just want to make mm-hmm. sure I'm on the same page. Yeah, uh, it's Dr. Janice. I okay. actually oh, don't Janice. know. Yeah, it was just know. weird that you were like pronouncing it differently. Sorry. Janus? The, uh, it's Janus. So it, it seems like these two characters, whoever Bohinder, which is not his actual name, but no. I, every time I see, yeah, every time I see him pop up in something, I'm like, it's Bohinder from Heroes. That's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Bohinder and Doctor Janus are working for Immortus, this character that was teased in the first episode of this season. We don't know exactly what they're going to do with these emotions that they leached off of Rita, or whether she doesn't have emotions going forward if that took all of them potentially. We do know that Dr. Janice is a emotional vampire. That's something that Madame Rouge finds out through the files that were left by Niles yeah. Calder. The so, Niles files. Niles files, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. One thing that I, I think I took away from this, and I don't know if this is the correct interpretation, but I felt like what Rita needs to understand is, and this is a very dicky way of saying it, but all of these emotions, all of this power is inside her all the time. And she thinks the only way she can get it out is by being a very exacting leader for the Doom Patrol or through her old movies and through these roles and through this nostalgia here. But what we find out towards the end is when she does the speech about saving everybody, oops, she plays into the villain's plan, but also she has those emotions present that they need the entire time. They're right there with her. So I don't know if she's ever going to work out that potential lesson because this whole show is about going through cyclical levels of pain. But ultimately, she has that inside of her. She could be the hero that we want her to be and know her to be, but she just needs to understand that intellectually as well as emotionally. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The power is hers, like Captain Planet said. Yeah, um, and I, she's had I just power needed, the whole time. She had power the whole time. I just need to take a second, and uh, you reminded me, Alex, to make a proctologist appointment for my junior anus, something I constantly <laughs> forget about. Um, and again, you were busting now both pee and my balls, and you dropped junior anus on <laughs> okay, Everyone's got a little piece of the pie, this, this podcast. <laughs> All right, so we got the Rita stuff. Why don't we move over and talk about Madame Rouge since we mentioned her? There's a little bit of a side quest that I she just on here. Wanted yes, to- a what? Just say about the Rita thing. I mean, it's smart. If you got to collect emotion, you go with the actress. You know what I mean? The you know she's going to eventually get there, depending on what you you know what I mean. So I, I just felt like that was a fun kind of move. If I'm an emotional vampire, I would go you know uh, attack Rita. Just like if I was an emotional vampire, you know you go with J T. Sizzle because he's classically trained. You know what I mean? Exactly. I just bottle all my emotions up and then wield them like weapons when need be. Right. Also, like, God, I'm so upset about Alex's junior anus thing he said. <laughs> I'll that? also mention while turn we're still... Turn it on, turn it off. Turn it that on, was amazing. That was really beautiful. I, I also want to mention while we're talking about Rita, I thought this was a great episode for April Bolivy. All the stuff that she did yeah. in the old movies was mm-hmm. phenomenal and hilarious. Her sitting there with all of those popcorn buckets in the movie theater was a very fun, very funny visual as well. I really enjoyed that. And just, yeah... Overall, really good episode for her. For Madame Rouge, uh, like I was mentioning, she's on this little bit of a side quest. I love the fact that she immediately burns out the second that she sees some smoke taking uh, everybody into yeah. the movie. Very yeah, fun. Is bad. But how, uh, not to get repetitive here, but how are you feeling about her plot line? It feels like there's only incremental growth going on here for her in this episode, at least from my perspective. <laughs> well, well, she's I, struggling with guilt, um, I think, and she um, sits down. I do the same thing after the, every podcast we record and does like five shots talking about the, the guilt that she feels about what she said and did um, with her friends. And like, I, I hear you. I hear that, <laughs> Rouge. Um, I got the bottle all set up and there's going to be a lot after this one. But uh, I, I, I don't know. She seems to be struggling with something that we know the right answer is she should just be a hero and be mm-hmm. a leader because she is a good leader, seem, seemingly. Uh but she like is like I am I bad? I feel guilty about what I did in the past. Goes through the Niles files um, and is hit by guilt, but also needs to use that information. Just like everyone on the Doom Patrol, she's fallen right in. She needs to move past her negative feelings and um, yeah, become yeah, the person kinda- she needs to be. She's struggling with a lot. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't have her whole memory of who she is. It's coming in little bits. She's a great leader, but she's not good at like connecting to people or being nice or a human or a hero as Justin is saying. So it's, it's hard for her to like throw the switch, uh, but she's struggling with who she is and also is kind of uh, drinking and trying to deal with a lot of different emotions. So I felt like, yeah, she didn't grow uh, crazy much this uh, episode, but I was happy with 
the time that she has and the, and the fact that they're just kind of not being like, all right, I'll just be a hero um, until uh, my memory comes back and I find out I'm, I'm a villain and then I have to make a choice. I've, I'm happy with the fact that she's struggling along the way with it. Uh, what about Larry? Let's talk about Larry, who we've been a little mixed about in the first two episodes here. He makes a little bit of a love connection, it feels like, with Mohinder before Mohinder is revealed to be a villain. However, yeah, classic. Classic. But Mohinder also kind of helps them. She holds the rope bridge while Rita crosses over it. Um, so there seems to be a little bit of a back and forth there. And I do wonder, I mean, this is jumping away from Larry, but I do wonder if we are going to get similar to the sisterhood of Dada, who weren't necessarily villains exactly, that this new group is also not necessarily villains. And maybe there is some hope for Larry and Mohinder to make it work. They seem to want to save the cheerleader and then save the world in some ways. Oh. Nothing to add, please. No. No, just okay. a quiet moment of reverence for uh, the first <laughs> superhero show, I guess we're calling that. Is that sure? Well, really paved the way I mean, for was, all. There was stuff. Hey, that... You guys remember how when we were at San Diego Comic Con and we saw Jeff Loeb there when he was working on Heroes and he gave us shirts? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You That's said shirts, story. right? Not shit. He gave us shirts. <laughs> no. Because he gave he, us a lot of shit, too. Yeah, he definitely did that. But also a shirt. I probably yeah. still have that somewhere. Anyway, what did you guys think about Larry's storyline? Oh, this is fun. It's also like one of those things where like Larry's like the whole thing of like, yeah, we're all going through some when Jane was glowing. That was really a funny line. But also this Keeg thing seems to be moving in a better direction. We get a little bit more of Keeg making moves. Um, So I'm liking the fact that we're getting some Keeg time and seeing that Keeg seems to be pulling the strings and being the hero that nobody else is willing to do. So it's nice to know what side Keeg is on, on on all of this. He's still trying to do the, do the right thing. So that's exciting. Yeah. I wonder what we're going to realize what um, Keeg learned from older Keeg. And when they went forward in time, maybe like, Hey, time for you to step up and really grow up and be the, Oh, wow. Help yeah. LT. Stop being because a little baby Keeg and start growing up. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, yeah, hopefully he'll say, I don't step up, I grow up, and when I look at you, I throw up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm so, yeah, that would be Wow, imagine that again. <laughs> you know? It's true. I got a real taste for it now. <laughs> yum, yum. Give me more of that, uh, I say. Um, I love Larry, and I feel like he's gotten a little short shrift so far this season. Um, we get a little bit of him. I like the conversation he has with uh, Mohinder where he's like, yeah, I'm um, Rita's friend, or, well, I used to be, and then I we don't get along anymore for sort of undefined reasons. Um, so I hope we get, I hope Larry moves more to the center of the story because he's one of my favorite characters here on the DP. Let's talk about Jane. Jane has, I would say a very big episode here as she finds a eyeball in mm. one of the puzzle pieces. It as seems you like do. it might be Shelly, AKA the fog from the sisterhood of Dada that we just mentioned. And she, the fog comes out and uh, gives her the big O if you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh God! Why would you know what I mean? I think of, no, that's what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Oh, orgasm. 
Is that yes? There you go. Oh, so man. what did uh, do? You, uh, uh, real quick, Alex. In your normal life, do you throw around the term "the big O"? Like when you're just you throwing around constantly, the term? almost every day. I thought this was a so great call. Move. HR. As Jane is looking for her new place, both in this group and in the world. Um, her maybe going back to Shelley that she had a connection with, I think is going to be really interesting. All right. First off, we got yes. the mention of Hammerhead. Okay. Uh, uh, Cliff called out for Hammerhead where, you know, we're talking about Jane, but we're not really talking about the underground and all these amazing characters that were seem to be getting robbed of. And I'm glad Cliff is speaking for the people and being like, oh, you know, we could use a Hammerhead right about now. Um, you know, there's a lot of tools that we're not, we don't have access to, which is a little uh, starting to become frustrating uh, because it would uh, really come in handy now. But, uh, you know, the Jane um, and Cliff stuff continues to just be, you know, just the gold of the they show. They love Top Gun. Yeah. I mean, you know, if people are going to hang out, they're going to talk about Top Gun, you know. Yeah, no, we do all the time. We have to edit it out constantly. Yeah. It takes hours, all the Top Gun references. Um, call the ball, Mav. Uh, cut that two one out, too. Goes. Yeah, cut. Nice. We'll cut all that out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, cut. cut. And cut. Uh, we, that's how we do this, is we call for our cuts when we're doing it. <laughs> that's the most useful version of our time. I, I thought it was strange. So we get we get a lot of mist in this episode. Two mm-hmm. separate mists. And that feels strange you- that they wouldn't be related. Or is it one a mist and one a oh, smoke? Oh, come on, dude. Don't be that guy. Think, you think um, all mists are related? Come on. Don't be that. I would that. say one's don't a mist and the other's a mister. <laughs> well, okay. Well, just you are an emotional like a home run derby over here. You're everything, everything from us. You're, you, oh, I feel stupid for trying to have I a have conversation. No <laughs> I didn't know the, the, the Doom Patrol Doom Room open mic had started. Everybody <laughs> Lighting up with some dingers. Uh, I um, I just find it strange that the two smoke or mist based situations happen this episode and they're not related. I I agree with you. That definitely stood out to me. I don't think they're related necessarily. But you guys can yes. have different kinds of smoke slash mist slash you know ghost entities. There's all sorts of things, guys. All right, don't limit yourselves. And yeah. to be fair, one of the mists was a fog, and it was grayish, and the other one was a mist that was greenish. So, yeah, probably totally unrelated. But maybe they are. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. It's not like it, mist and fog and all these other terms we're using. Haze? Do we throw out a haze in there? Uh, <laughs> are things that happen all the time in Doom Patrol or any comic book based TV show. So it just does seem strange as much as you guys are trying to downplay it that we have two um, Chet Hayes in here. Can we talk about Cliff? I know we touched on him a little bit talking about Jane, but I'll turn it over to our Cliff expert, Pete, to take this one. What were your thoughts on Cliff in this episode? I mean, uh, you know, Cliff uh, speaks for the people here. He, uh, he, he calls things as he sees it. It's fun to kind of, uh, uh, hear what he's going through. I mean, we don't get too much, but, um, with Cliff, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, the whole kind of touch thing that he's going through is a lot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Cliff continues to be a fantastic part of the show. Now that everybody's swearing like Cliff, is there really a role for him? Oh, how dare you? Because he doesn't do Maybe much Maybe he goes episode. the other way. You never know. You know what I mean? Hmm. I'm just saying, like, if he's not going to swear, what's the point? 
Oh, boom. and Vic's friends seem pretty upset about the idea of their friend when he was a robot. So maybe there's a whole like robot prejudice thing going on and they'll just get rid of Cliff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Plus, Vic is bringing home another robot and that can just that do covers what it. Does. That covers it. One robot per team. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a lot of robots you, guys, you, you, you can, can have, have a lot of mists You can have mists, you can have robots Of different sizes and shapes And they're not the same It's like okay, saying so let, so R2 and C3P All the same thing, go fuck yourselves So let me just say, they're not the same They're very different uh, Thank One's you. a protocol droid um, the, What I'm saying is one droid has wheels um, And a sassy attitude uh, If this, If next week this episode is like Nine mists and four robots I think you're going to be like, this is a little where, why are we doing this? No, I too think many mists. Too wrong, many mists. Um, you can't over mist. Any other moments from the episode that you want to call out in particular, Pete? I'm sure you have a list there of a couple of oh, cars. Oh man, yeah, I I do like this idea of just kind of like Rita kind of saying out loud, you know, this thing like her line of like, you know, just finding a new purpose. That's what I have to do. Like I I um I really thought that emotionally it was great. Um, uh, Madame Rouge drinking fun. You know what I mean? I believe yep. it. I feel like she can throw him back. You know, it's impressive. Shot and, line of shots, not easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mid, middle um, of the day. I mean, that's pro move stuff. That's the, no rookie can pull that off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and also just Rita dropping all the f bombs and all the swears that we got in this episode. That's um, oh yeah, and the I'm forever proud of you, Vic. That was a. It was emotional. It was nice. It Look was at Pete nice turning it on. I've got an actor here. Wow, I can't believe this. I don't need, don't stay out of my lane. Pete, Pete, stay out of my lane. That's my yeah, lane. That's oh, that was really good. That was really good. I just want to give a quick shout out before we move on to the production design in this episode. They nice. did a really effective job of three different settings with movies. The cheesy sci-fi movie was super cheesy. The horror movie was yeah. great. And, and the whole thing about creepy the creepy kid. kid. Oh, creepy, creepy. Yeah. Very yeah, creepy. funny. And yeah, and the old timey movie as well. Really good stuff. It's hard to move between all those mo- modes just on a production schedule. And I think they did a great job and they made it look great. Agree. Before, and the laser tag uh, situation yeah. looked very, in a fun way, that sort Brought of shitty back. laser yeah. tag design. Of it. Like, yeah. That was fun as well. But yeah. again, Detroit style pizza. I do have one other thing. In the relation to Vic, he walks home with this robot. What, right. Where are we headed? Where are we headed with Vic? Is he jumping right back into Cyborg soon? It feels like that's where the show wants him to go, but they aren't. It feels like it's going to be a long process. I don't think we'll get that until the end of the season, if anything. Maybe sooner, because Doom Patrol moves at a surprisingly faster pace than I always expect. But it does feel like the sort of thing where you let him be human Vic for a season and realize he needs to armor up in some way by the end. But I guess... I, I, I just worry that they, they're like, with all this different kinds of mist, we have budget concerns. So listen, no more underground uh, for a little while and Vic's a human. That's all we can right. afford. I yeah, they know. bought one fog machine and fired everybody in the underground is what yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's that's one or the other. Saving. That's HBO Max for you, baby. Yeah. Haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about who was most doomed this episode? Pete. Who do you think was most doomed this episode? Uh, I got a no. I mean, Keeg turned it around. I'm going to go with uh, Madame Rouge. Um, mm. She seems uh, uh, most doomed. I have hope, 
But her past, her being pretty evil, seems like uh, that's her go-to move. So I'm a little worried uh, we're not going to get the Madame Rouge we need. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'll throw it out to you, and this is kind of an obvious one, but Rita, she's in dire straits by the end of the episode. She's unconscious. Sure. We don't know what's going to happen she's with napping. her. She's an actor. She'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, she's pretending to nap. She is in serious trouble here, and I'm curious to see if they are able to get her out of it next episode. And if so, what happens? Are we going to get a new, different Rita with no emotion? Very curious mm. about this. Justin, what about you? I mean, I got to worry about Cliff. Sort of downplayed this episode. Uh, not everyone else is swearing, which is his whole thing. And um, there's a new robot coming to live at the house. So later, dude. It's not a robot. It's, a, it's like a toy representation of a robot. Uh, I guess we'll see. That, they were in a robotics club. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty. I don't know if you remember your high school clubs, but they were pretty good at doing professional grade work at any <laughs> Project they tackled. You ever see a yearbook? It's a fucking book, dude. It encapsulates a year. Great point to add, Don. If you'd like to support this <laughs> podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now, before we go, a Pete of advice from Pete LePage. <laughs> oh, uh, this one goes out to Cliff, and i just like to say, you know, you didn't swear a lot in this episode, but uh, I, I want to share something that I live my life by, and that's uh, when in huh. doubt, swear it out, okay? it's It doesn't really help, but it's more fun. Hmm. That's beautiful, beautiful words from the junior anus of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.